Hello, everybody. I'm Bob Kieser. This is the Son of Man Urantia Project. Hope you're all doing doing well out there today. It's a rainy day Saturday here in the Andes in Ecuador. This episode is the last section of Chapter 20, Part 3. Beginning the Public Work On Spiritual Unity One of the most eventful evening conferences at Amathus was the session on spiritual unity. James Zebedee had asked Jesus, Master, how do we learn to see alike and enjoy more harmony among ourselves. Jesus was set back a little and asked James when he had ever taught them that they were all to see alike. Jesus said that he didn't want peace between us to be the result of people sacrificing their personality and their spiritual originality. Instead, he's come to the world for just the opposite reason, to proclaim spiritual liberty so that mortals can live free, original, and individual lives before God. Jesus didn't want us to see alike or feel alike or even to think alike. Each of us is supposed to use our original endowments of mind, body, and soul when serving God. So, be cautious when people want you to conform to group norms, whether social, business, or religious. They're almost always attempts to control you and... They're often used to ensure that you follow the line, whether things are right or wrong. And conformity wasn't what Jesus taught. Instead, what Jesus wants from us is spirit unity. He explained that this comes from people being united through their dedication to doing the will of God. Regardless of our differences, the commonality between us comes from each of us having a spirit of the same Father, that same God that is actually in our minds, and that brings us spirit, spiritual unity. And then accepting this fact unites us all in purpose and understanding. It allows us to enjoy this spiritual brotherhood, regardless of how different our attitudes, thoughts, temperaments, and social abilities. Jesus went on to tell the apostles that when people witness, when people see this spiritual unity between them, that they'll then know that the apostles have been with him, with Jesus and hence that they have learned how to do 
the will of the Father in heaven. Jesus explained to the apostles that when a group of people enjoy spiritual unity, it means two things. First, that they all have a common motive of doing God's will over all other things. And second, that they each have the same reason for existence. Finding the Father in heaven and proving to the universe that they have become like him. Jesus came back to this theme many times as he trained his apostles. He emphasized over and over that he didn't want his believers becoming dogmatic. And he didn't want the apostles standardizing creeds and traditions to guide and control the people who believe in the gospel of the heaven, gospel of heaven, or the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus not only didn't want us to conform with one another, he also didn't want us to be forced into standardized dogmatic religious traditions. This means that neither conformity or dogma have divine models. They're conceived by man, not desired by God. Both are hence error or evil. And if knowingly embraced or forced upon others, become sin. Remember, Jesus was clear. His religion, his gospel, is nothing more or less than God is your father and you are his son. The last week at Amathus. Toward the end of their stay at Amathus, Simon Zealots introduced Jesus to a Persian named Tihemra, Tiherma, excuse me, who was doing business in Damascus. This Persian, Iranian in today's world, had heard about Jesus, went to Capernaum to see him, and then when he found out that Jesus and the apostles were heading down to Jordan, he followed along to to hopefully find him. When Andrew learned of this, he assigned Simon to instruct him on the kingdom of heaven. Andrew should have known better. But Simon had difficulty because he considered Tiherma to be a fire worshiper, even though this man tried very hard to explained to Simon that fire was only the visible sign of the holy and pure one. So finally, Simon took this man to Jesus to have a talk. It only took a short conversation with Jesus, and Tiherma decided to hang around for a few days and listen to what the apostles had to, had to say, teach and preach. Later, when Simon Zealots and Jesus were alone, Simon, of course, wanted to know why Tiherma wouldn't listen to him 
but he would listen to Jesus. Jesus kind of kind of mildly scolded Simon at this point, and he asked him how many times had he told him not to try to take something out of the hearts of those who are seeking salvation. He said, I told you to only try and put something into those hungry souls. Jesus went on to say that when you lead men into the kingdom, the great and living truths of the kingdom will in turn drive out all serious errors. He explained that when you have shown a man the good news that God is his father, it's easier to persuade him that he is now in reality a son of God. And when you've done that, you've brought the light of salvation to someone who is sitting in darkness. Jesus went on and asked Simon if he, Jesus, had come denouncing Moses and the prophets and instead proclaiming a new and better way of life for everyone, which he hadn't. Jesus told him he didn't come to take away what they had learned from their forefathers, but rather to show them a more complete picture of what their fathers only saw apart. So, in ending his talk, Jesus told Simon to go out and teach and preach the kingdom. And then, while he has a man that's safely in the kingdom, then that's the time when that person comes to him with questions for him to try to teach him how to improve his soul in that divine kingdom. Simon was pretty astonished by what Jesus said, but he did as he was told, and Tiharma, the Persian fire worshiper, decided to enter the kingdom. Later that night, Jesus continued to teach the apostles about what we would call the folly of putting the cart before the oxen. In part, Jesus explained to them that when we enter the kingdom, we're reborn. In other words, what that means is that we are first born as mortals, born of the flesh. And then, when we enter the kingdom of heaven, we are born again. And this time, we're born of the Spirit. What's important to know as a teacher is that when we're still only born of the flesh, we can't know the deeper things of God. So before we try to teach anyone the advanced ways of the Spirit, they, we first need to be sure that the person has been born of the Spirit. In other words, he said, don't try to show men the beauties of the temple until you've first taken them into the temple. Jesus told the apostles that they were to introduce men to God and as the sons of God before they told them about the fatherhood of God and the sonship of men. 
he went on and told them to also not argue with people, that they were to be patient. And to remember that this isn't their kingdom. They're only its ambassadors. In short, Jesus told the apostles to simply go out and tell people that this is the kingdom of heaven. God is your father, you are his sons, and through faith, that is your eternal salvation. The apostles made a lot of progress while they were at Amathus, but they were still pretty disappointed that Jesus wouldn't help them to deal with John's disciples. There was a dispute going on about baptizing people. And when the apostles went to Jesus to find out what they should do, all he said was, John did indeed baptize with water. But when you enter the kingdom of heaven, you shall be baptized with the Spirit. And he left it at that, much to the apostles' frustration. At Bethany beyond Jordan. On February 26th, Jesus, his apostles, and a large group of followers traveled down the Jordan River to the ford near Bethany and Peria to set up camp. This was where John had first proclaimed the coming of the kingdom of God. Jesus and the apostles stayed there teaching and preaching for four weeks before they headed on to Jerusalem for the Passover. The second week that they were at Bethany, Jesus took Peter, James, and John into the hills across the river and south of Jericho for three days to rest. While they were there, Jesus taught them many new and advanced truths about the kingdom. These talks were reorganized by the authors of the Urantia Revelation for us. Jesus tried to make it clear to the apostles that he wanted his disciples, those who had experienced some of the spiritual realities of the kingdom, to live their lives in such a way that when other people saw them, they would be curious and come to ask questions about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus impressed upon them that their only job was to reveal God to the individual man as his father, to first help the man know that he was a son of God, and then to present that same man to God as his faith son. Jesus showed us both of these essential revelations. He became the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus' entire religion was based only on his life on earth. When he exited this world, he left behind no laws, no books, or anything else dictating a person's religious life. 
Jesus made it clear that he was establishing personal and eternal relations with people that would, that would forever take precedence over all other human relationships. And he emphasized that this intimate spiritual fellowship with him was to be extended to all men of all ages and of all social conditions among all people. And the only rewards for us are, in this world, spiritual joy and divine communion. And, in the next world, eternal life progressing to the Paradise Father. Jesus emphasized the two most important points of the kingdom. Number one, achieving salvation by faith and faith alone. Number two, attaining liberty through the sincere recognition of the truth. It said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Jesus was truth in the flesh, and he promised to send his spirit of truth into the hearts of all men after he returned to his Father in heaven. Jesus was teaching the apostles a new and original plan for life, the truth for an entire age on earth. And often, his teachings were in reality intended for the inspiration and edification of other worlds. Jesus explained that he had, on purpose, ignored the great men of earth. This was to ensure that his father was recognized as the plan of the kingdom unfolded. Jesus began his work with the poor, the very classes of people that had so been neglected by most of the evolutionary religions of the past. He despised no man. His plan was for everyone in this world and many others. Jesus tried to be easy on his apostles as he told them that he hadn't come to set an example for just a few earth creatures, but instead that he was there to demonstrate a way of human life for all people on all worlds throughout his entire universe. And this is standard, and this standard approached the highest perfection, even the final goodness of the Universal Father. And again, the apostles couldn't grasp what it, he was telling them. But he was so bold and emphatic in these announcements that even Peter, James, and John were tempted to think that he might be beside himself. Jesus announced that he had come to earth as a teacher, a teacher sent from heaven to present spiritual truth to the material mind. And this is exactly what he did. He was a teacher, not a preacher. From the human viewpoint, 
Peter was a much more effective preacher than Jesus. Jesus' preaching was so effective because of his unique personality, not because of his compelling oratory or emotional appeal. He spoke directly to men's souls. Jesus was a teacher of men's spirit, but he approached it through our minds. Jesus hinted to Peter, James, and John that his work with us was limited in some ways by the instructions he had received from his elder brother, Emmanuel, prior to becoming to earth, prior to coming to earth. You can learn more about that in the uh, early introduction chapters that are archived at the Substack page. Jesus told his apostles that he'd come to do his Father's will, and only his Father's will. This singularity of purpose kept him focused and unbothered by the evil in the world. The apostles were starting to realize that even though Jesus was easy to approach, he always seemed to be separate from and above all people. He was never subject to human frailty, and he never paid attention to public opinion or flattery. He almost never corrected people's misunderstandings or resented it when they misunderstood him or his teachings. He never asked people for their prayers or any man for his advice. James was astonished at how Jesus was able to see the end from the beginning. He almost never seemed to be surprised by anything. He never got excited, rattled, or aggravated, and he never apologized to any person. While at times he would get sad, he never got discouraged. Yet, with all of his divine endowments, Jesus was still human, just faultless. And he was always unselfish. Although Peter, James, and John couldn't understand a lot of what Jesus said because he was, in effect, laying out his plan for a new age, his words lingered in their hearts. And after the crucifixion and resurrection, what Jesus told them on this occasion did, did a lot to enrich their later ministries. Working in Jericho Throughout the four weeks they stayed at Bethany beyond Jordan, several times a week Andrew would assign a couple of apostles to go to Jericho to work for a day or two. John had many believers in Jericho, and most of these people were okay with Jesus and his apostles' more advanced teachings. It was on these 
visits to Jericho that the apostles first focus their efforts on Jesus' instructions to minister to the sick. And in these visits, they visited every house in the city, and they worked to comfort every person who was ill. Through that experience, they learned that the good news of the kingdom was healing and comforting the sick. On the way up to Jerusalem, the apostles only intended to spend a day at Jericho, but a group of people from Mesopotamia showed up to see Jesus. He talked with them for three days, and then they took their lessons home with them, where they lived along the Euphrates River, and the apostles continued on to Jerusalem. Departing for Jerusalem It was Monday, the last day of March, that Jesus and the apostles began trekking through the hills on their way to Jerusalem. Lazarus had come down from Bethany twice already to see them on the Jordan, and he had taken care of everything that Jesus and the apostles needed to make their headquarters with him and his sisters in Jerusalem. John's disciples stayed at Bethany beyond the Jordan, teaching and baptizing the people. Only Jesus and the twelve went to Lazarus's house. They hung out there for five days, resting up before going into Jerusalem for the Passover. For Lazarus and his sisters, Martha and Mary, it was a great honor to be able to care for Jesus and the apostles. On Saturday morning, April 6th, Jesus and the twelve went down to Jerusalem. This was the first time that they had all been there together. Okay, everyone, that's it for chapter 20, beginning the public work. Please support the Son of Man Urantia Project. Hit the like and subscribe buttons. Please donate to the project. And buy lots of electronic PDFs of Volume 1 and email them to all your friends. The links are all in the header, top side. Godspeed, everybody. We're going to need her. Bobby Keezer, out here.